While much valuable Christian literature from prior centuries has been republished in recent years, the particular Baptists have been largely ignored. Yet, their contributions in the areas of biblical exegesis, theology, history, and practical Christian living have much to offer today's church. The particular Baptists have always demonstrated a firm and faithful commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ, its proclamation to all the world, and the inspiration, inerrancy, and absolute authority of all of Scripture. We at Particular Baptist Heritage Books desire to champion this God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, word-centered legacy by producing high-quality, handcrafted, hard-cased editions of Particular Baptist works, which we hope will endure for generations to come. Particular Baptist Heritage Books is a nonprofit publishing ministry founded in connection with a local church. With the help from an advisory board consisting of Calvinistic Baptist pastors and scholars, we seek to preserve the history, theology, and relevancy of our particular Baptist forebears by publishing and promoting their most important literary works. Our mission is to glorify God and to strengthen His church by furnishing Christians with the very best of the particular Baptist literary heritage. And so we invite you, come and deepen your Baptist roots at www.particularbaptistbooks.com www.particularbaptistbooks.com Welcome to Confessing the Faith, a theological and devotional walk through the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. I am your host, Sam Waldron, one of the pastors of Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky, and president of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. We are in the process of considering chapter 13 of the Confession. This is the last chapter dealing with the blessings of the covenant. In chapters 14 to 18, the grace is given to men by the covenant come into view, beginning, of course, with saving faith. We saw last time that paragraph, uh, third, uh, paragraph 1 provides a summary description of sanctification. Paragraphs 2 and 3, which conclude this chapter, take up the peculiar distinctives of progressive sanctification. Paragraph 2 speaks of the first of these distinctives. Struggle with sin marks progressive sanctification. Listen to what it says. This sanctification is throughout the whole man, yet imperfect in this life. There abideth still some remnants of corruption in every part, whence ariseth a continual and irreconcilable war, the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. We see in this paragraph the roots of this struggle, first of all. It is because of the remnants of corruption left after conversion, left in every soul after its initial conversion, that there is such a struggle. The nature of this struggle is described graphically and strikingly as a continual and irreconcilable war. The, the combatants or the contestants in this struggle are described as the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Several practical lessons of importance for the Christian are suggested by this description of the struggle with sin that characterizes those who are being truly and progressively sanctified. 
First, the Christian struggling with sin and who feels himself to be in a war should not be discouraged by this struggle. It is no sign that he is unconverted. It is no sign that he is a substandard or a sucking class Christian. This war and struggle is the experience of every Christian. Second, the Christian should not listen to those who promise a cessation of this war and this life. Their promises of a higher life or a deeper life or a victorious life that mean the termination of this war are unbiblical. Third, the secret to growing victory in this war is to use those means of grace which nurture in us the fruit of the Spirit and thus in the language of Scripture sow to the Spirit and unleash the power of the Spirit in our lives. We must live in the constant exercise of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We must constantly ask Christ for the Spirit, which He has promised to freely give us by faith alone. Fourth, and on the other hand, we must not encourage and strengthen the enemy by sowing to the flesh. I've already alluded to Galatians 6, 8. It reads in its full text, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The spiritual carelessness, which is occasion to the flesh, must be at all costs avoided if defeat in this continual war is to be avoided. Paul's words to this effect are clear and are found in Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust.